1: From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable.
2: Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. This is your host, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. We have another very special podcast for you this week right here on the Sportsman's
0: Nation Podcast Network. This week's podcast brought to you by Deer Lab. The ultimate tool in managing, organizing, and understanding your trail camera images.
2: Nice job. Thanks, man. I forgot all about... I, I was trying to remember what, what I had typed out, but um, there there's you have a, there's it. There's
0: a slight pause. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I can see it. I can <laughs> Those
2: notes it. are a long ways over yeah. there. so. Anyway, this week's podcast is going to be very exciting. Uh, We kind of hinted at it and talked about it a little bit a couple podcasts ago, but this week we have an entire session designated to the little bit we talked about, which is
0: Stratton Seed Company. That's right. And briefly, before we get into talking with the individuals there at Stratton Seed Company and all the specifics that they have going on with with some food plot blends and soybeans, and um, we're going to talk about basically our thoughts and how we implement food plots into property management and the right layouts on farms. I think we I know we've talked about it before, Adam. How you know emphasis on food plots is so high, and sometimes I think they're given or too much emphasis on them on on specific properties. Um, where not every place or every portion, every acre needs to be devoted to a food plot, even if it's flat or if it's already open. Um, So in a land management point of view, talk about how we like to emphasize and place food plots throughout a property, any property.
2: Well, I think when it comes to food plots, I think the biggest thing that we see is it's almost used as a – shortcut as in i i don't have to worry about improving the habitat i'll just plant a couple of food plots and be good and as so far from the truth and, and actually the design that we try to use is we want the wildlife to get by with everything that's native and everything that they should have but then we're going to supplement a food plot in strategically placed areas to where we have a very high preferred food source that makes our hunting success a lot higher.
0: Yeah, exactly. Draw them into certain areas that we can access based on the other um, specifics of the property, wherever cover is the best, and and get in between that and a larger food source. Um, That typically works if the property is large enough, so on and so forth. That works the best. Um, But you're right. like, There's so much emphasis on just food, yet if we want to talk about proper land management, we've got to do other practices like increase the bedding, um, make sure there's security throughout the entire property. So they'll actually get to your food plots during daylight hours. Um, You know, I think that's the struggle, but what we've seen is food plots because, you know, sometimes equipment um, you don't have to have a lot. If you already have a cleared opening, they're a great segue to get people into more land management practices.
2: Yeah, totally. It's a, as, as CWD increases and other states find it and baiting and mineral gets outlawed, basically it's like this is the next step for people to kind of go into this whole land management. Is You can't just dump a bag of feed out or, or a, a feeder Place now. Mineral, yeah. You have to do a little bit more, and that's where more and more people are doing food plots. So
0: And then once they're there, they're going to continue to step up or graduate, whatever you want to call it. Hopefully. Yeah to increasing more habitat that's what's going to make the biggest difference overall for a property you know your hunting seasons i, I think what we have talked about last week was just overall enjoyment with family friends you know getting outdoors during the springtime not yep. just during the fall but working together as a camp or or as a family or property owners um, that's going to be encouraging to see
2: no totally And i think with the food plots and and in this day and age we hear so much about winter kill and EHD, CWD. It's like everybody's worried about the the doom and gloom of whitetail deer. And I think of habitat management and and food plotting going kind of hand-in-hand to where if you just did it, if you just, no food plots, you just did native vegetation and, and tried to replicate nature the best you could, you'd still have pretty good success if you manage it correctly. But the food plot's just a supplement. Now if you just did food plots it would be pretty good but it's that time when stress levels are very high that if you're doing both you can have you have the ability to help a, a wildlife or a deer herd along and get through that very stressful time.
0: Yeah and you know we talked about you mentioned earlier you know food plots are a great way to to supplement you know native forages and that comes you know hand in hand with those stress periods. And when we were talking about food plots you know they're great for hunting strategies but they they also they go beyond that and, and we think about having great quality food in our plot still remaining February and into March, you know, if you can do that and have that ample food supply, you are well on your way to having great healthy herds. Or
2: or let's look at it from Woody Browse during this time of year, actually a little bit earlier in the in the spring and late winter is Woody Browse is such a huge, huge part of a deer's diet. But if you have a large deer herd and they have started consuming the woody brows to where there's more deer than the amount of woody brows you have that's where a food plot can come in to help offset some of that deer exactly. pressure so i i think and and not only that let's look at it from the other side and say you have a food plot that's just getting hammered by deer brows but if you don't have woody brows that's just an, another way to offset the amount of pressure that you if if you added that woody brows to that area so um, sure. you can do both and and really have a huge success so that's what this week's podcast is all about we're going to go talk with the guys i think it's guys it may be guy um from stratton seed company out of stuttgart arkansas we're very excited about this partnership and i think uh, you guys should be too with with some of the things we have coming up so you ready to get them on let's get
0: them on the phone absolutely
2: here we are we've got mr heath north from stratton seed company and keith hammer how you guys
1: doing today Good, Adam. How about yourself?
0: We are doing good in cloudy, cold Missouri. Doesn't feel like the day after Easter, but we're here and uh, hoping it feels like spring in the coming weeks.
1: Well, we're we're in the same boat this morning. We had we did turn out for a nice Easter, but uh, today it's back to the winter scene. Looks like.
2: Man, so you guys had a nice Easter. We had ice and 30, 30 degree temps yesterday here.
1: Well, you know, here we always say just wait around for a little bit. The weather's going to change pretty quick on you. So we were sunny and seventy yesterday, and we're probably uh, cloudy and and fifty this morning.
2: Wow, huh? I'm a little bit jealous about that. I bet birds were gobbling down there. Huh? Oh, well, so we're going to jump into this. We've got a long list of questions to ask you guys and kind of talk about uh everything Stratton Seed Company and everything around what's around the bend for you guys and. Of course, Matt and I just opened up the podcast talking about how very excited we are for this partnership. And, and hopefully everyone listening is excited, too, because I think there's a lot of things that are going to be offered here that haven't really hit the market yet. So um, this is definitely something we're, we're, uh, we're excited to talk about with you guys today.
1: Same here. We're, we're looking forward to uh, moving forward with some of these new products and, and getting this partnership going is really going to help with that, I believe.
0: Well good deal, can you guys just real briefly tell us about you know the history of Stratton Seed, where you guys got started, and how that's led you guys to the point in which you are sitting there today?
1: Sure, so Stratton started in nineteen forty eight uh, Mr. Leland Stratton uh, started the business, uh, just uh, actually bought it from a uh, friend in town. And from there, basically, have grown it into a pretty large uh, ag retailer as well as ag wholesaler in the southern U.S. So, obviously, based in Stuttgart, Arkansas, we've uh, are now transitioning into our third generation of family ownership, which says a lot about a seed company. Uh, You don't see many privates that have hung around as long as what Stratton has. So, uh, makes us feel feel pretty secure in our in our Work efforts and, and hopefully with this expansion, we'll be able to drive that boat for a very long time. Uh, yeah, we've had we have been mostly into uh, row crop ag, be it rice, beans, uh, corn, wheat. Uh, so we've had a, a pretty good run and, and um, have decided to start looking at some of this wildlife blends, uh, wildlife products, and. Are starting to gear some of our product lines up towards that. We just felt like we didn't have enough to do, so we decided to add to it.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, I bet I, I bet you you sure felt like that, not enough to do, huh? <laughs> um, so, kind of give us a little bit when you say you're in the ag side and you're planting rice. Of course, we were down there a couple weeks ago. We toured the place, drove through miles and miles of rice fields and and everything like that. But have you guys? Uh, I, I think, of course, you're gearing up for this, but are, are you doing much cover crop blends? Is that kind of is, is that something you guys have started seeing from the? ag? I'm just curious from the ag side because, um, of course, an ag background. But let's talk cover crops.
1: Sure. And for the last couple of years, cover crops in our area, especially, have been a growing uh, market. And there's been a lot of uh, government payments uh, that have come to help just to establish. And it's taken pretty much taken the south by, by storm for the last couple of years. The it, it, you get a lot of benefits not only from uh, leaching different um, additives like nitrogen out of the soil, but also to help with weed suppression and even just uh, you know erosion, so to speak. Uh, we've gotten real big into cereal rye. That has been the main player. Uh, for us in the cover crops the last few years and it looks like it's going to continue to be into this year and that was a big part of how we even started looking at some of the blends for wildlife because a lot of those same um, a lot of the same material carries over into these blends
2: yeah that, that, that's kind of what i figured when i asked that question was you you got into cover crops and then you realized that there wasn't a whole lot of difference between some of the high diversity food plot blends versus the cover crop blends
1: absolutely and you know just adding a few different things and taking a few out you've come up with a pretty good uh wildlife blend that that serves another market and and something that we've not seen a lot of competition uh, or our main competitors in at this point
0: yeah i think you guys are you guys are well uh, ahead of a lot of people when it comes to that and set up really well um at in at this point in the game to be able to um, get a lot of seed out there and get a lot of those high diversity blends into the food plotter's hands. Um, So for the both of you guys, talk us a little bit about like your roles there, what you guys do and how long you've worked there with Stratton. Well,
1: my role, I'm the director of seed operations. I manage most of the day-to-day seed operations, as well as I've got a staff of wholesalers uh, that work in various states. Uh, We've... Um, Move as far north at this point as Missouri and Illinois and as far south as as Florida. So pretty much we encompass the whole southeast United States. And uh, with that comes some of our logistics, and uh, we've been set up on some since since the inception. And that's just how we've managed to, to probably stay around for quite as long as we have. But, uh, I've been with the company moving into ten years now and been in my role for probably the last three years so uh been been around for a little while anyway
2: now i'm i'm I want to hear him because I know he's there. We haven't brought him into the conversation <laughs> yet, but let's hear from Mr. Keith Hammer.
1: I have been with Stratton here for a few short months so far, and hopefully a few more years to come at least and um Right now, I'm out in the warehouse, and I'm treating a lot of row crop seeds as far as soybeans and rice, getting them ready to get planted, go into the ground for this spring crop. And um, right now, mainly just treating uh, conditioning seed a little bit now, um, running running some wheat. And so far, that's about it. There you well, go. Well, Keith has been an excellent Keith has been an excellent addition to the staff, and you know, much like all of us, when we all started out here, uh, we we try to learn every aspect of the business, and and Keith has picked up on a lot of this stuff very quickly. So we're we're looking forward to seeing what all he can accomplish in his tenure here.
0: Nice, nice. It's always fun to kind of get your uh, your roots started and understand the uh, all operations. Then you just become better at your job later down the road. That's for sure. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and and think.
2: We kind of touched on it a little bit. We uh, covered cover crops in the ag side. So and and you teased us a little bit. So basically, Stratton branching in the food plot world. What what kind of what what led you guys to do that?
1: Honestly, it it came from demand. Um, a lot of our stores that do cover crops. A, a lot of your ag, your row crop retail stores have asked us along the way uh, as we started blending this stuff together if we could do something for deer do something for for ducks or uh, we've always moved a lot of like japanese millet uh, and different single items uh, but as it's gotten down to it it, with the ability to blend the cover crops it just made sense to start putting this stuff together for food plots and a lot of our customer base haven't really had a lot of options to this point and again we're talking the whole southeast of the U.S. so far and it just gives us another option to to work with our customers and uh, looking at ways to basically keep us in the stores just about year round now
2: makes sense I think uh, we've got a couple other questions but people need to hang on because we're going to dive into some of the blends and what specifically you guys have to offer coming up but I think Matt's got a couple of questions before we get there.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, as, okay. as a new company kind of comes onto the scene, everyone's worried about. And you guys are, you know, down in Arkansas, a lot of hunters, kind of Midwest and, and the Northeast. Can you talk to us about how distribution is going to work? Like when someone orders a bag of seed or five bags of seed or 10 bags of seed, what's that process going to look like for them to be able to get that seed um, in their possession?
1: Well, we're going to have a few options to look at, and the first being that we do operate in a lot of these storefronts, that be it your Helena Chemicals, your uh, CPS, or Greenpoint Ag, um, there's a lot of those stores that are, have been spaced around most of these areas, and we'll have the options to go through those guys, which we'll actually just deliver to the storefronts, and they'll be able to pick it up there but in addition we're also looking for new distributors and maybe not what has been a traditional row crop um store and you know any anyone that has an interest in that we definitely would have the option to talk with those guys and we know that um it's not we're not looking to, to fill a store up by any means, but like you said, 5, 10, 15, maybe even a pallet of beans. Our, our process will be pretty simple to be able to become a distributor, basically a credit app, and uh, for a, a small volume. And we'll basically ship it into the store and, and, and have it ready for, for the guys to move out, out the door. And our third option that we're looking at, which may be just a little bit before we get it squared away, is with our website at gostrattonseed.com. We're actually looking at adding in a basically a purchase tab where folks can purchase online and with a credit card and basically have it shipped directly to you out of our facility, either here in Stuttgart or one of the other four locations that we have, which uh, basically spread up to southeast Missouri at this point.
2: Fantastic. I think that would be... Uh... A huge, a huge benefit for you guys. You know, when we talk about this from the from the beginning of our partnership was, okay, how do we get the seed to the consumer? How do we get it in the food plots this spring? And distribution has always been one of those things with any seed company we see, any food plot seed company is, okay, how can we get it and and how can the common food plotter get it? Because just you can't go down to Walmart or wherever and pick it up. And so I think with your guys' stance and or or your foundation in the ag side and being being that you've built up this large business that has the ability to ship and and do all kinds of different things than than your normal smaller seed companies wouldn't be able to do i think it's a huge benefit to you guys
1: i agree you know like i said first and foremost we've been founded on service and servicing our customers and that's what we want to try to push through it doesn't matter whether it's row crop or food plot we we want the service behind our product
0: yeah and i'm going to in our show notes heath just so you know i'm going to be Putting in a link so that folks can go and find out your information if they're interested in becoming a dealer, or if they know someone who may be a business owner um, looking to expand, they can contact you directly and kind of get that process started. Get a little more information and try and open up that line of communication for you guys.
1: Absolutely, I appreciate that. Yes,
2: yeah, so there, you guys, listeners, have it. If you if you're interested in becoming a dealer, here's the man to get in touch with, and I, I think you may be going, okay, why do I need to become a dealer? Hold on to your, hold on to yourself right now. Cause we're getting ready to go into all, all the different types of blends you guys have. Um, and, and I think right now, uh, I guess last year was probably, when was the first year you guys released the game changer soybeans?
1: So game changers have been around for, for two years now. Um, this, we're going into our third season as we speak. So, our first year out, we we noticed a need and had several people that have asked us for wildlife soybeans. So we started looking through uh, our selection process and trying to isolate a variety that could do both well in, in a more of a forage type food plot as well as um, seed production side. So we've done our best to isolate this variety as a dual purpose soybean. And uh, have had great luck and great reception to this point enough that we're continuing to grow, and, and sales have been increased pretty significantly even into this third year. So uh, seeing a lot of good results out of it at this point.:
2: Fantastic. When I think about soybeans, and this is a conversation you and I had just recently, just kind of because it's always the question, what is the difference between a Ford soybean and your conventional ag bean?
1: So, just to kind of break it down a little bit, um, in, in the world of soybean breeders, you have breeders that look for different things, and as they make their selection process, they're going to select for what their market is asking for. In in the ag side of things, as you guys can probably guess, most people have looked for yield. That's their number one number one aspect that they look for. So as these soybean breeders that are looking for ag continue to select, they're always selecting the highest yielding variety that they can. Forage soybeans, on the other hand, are not as focused on pod production or seed production, but more so on vegetative growth, height, uh, big leaves, uh, just something that will give a good, good amount of forage, a good amount of food through the summer and early fall months. So. As you guys can guess, a breeder that would be looking for a forage soybean would be continuing to select either tall varieties or very leafy varieties. And what we isolated game changer for is to kind of bridge that gap together a little bit where you'll still have that tall, growthy, viney kind of look, as well as when you get to the fall, you'll actually have some pod production And as you and I spoke, even uh, when we do get to fall, the leaves will come off and give you guys the opportunity to actually put another fall cover crop or food plot blend in the mix with the soybeans.
0: You just, you've just described, you know, kind of two different ends of the spectrum and then this game changer soybean is falling right in the middle and kind of getting, like you said, the best of both worlds. Um, And that to me is, hits a, a new market, hits a big point for people to um, plant and get, you know, incredible growth during the summertime, but then still be able to rely on that plot as, you know, pod production um, is extremely high in these beans and late season rolls around. You know, this plot, these acres devoted to this, this soybean can feed and hold um, and keep deer coming conditioning to a single area for many, many months throughout an entire year.
1: Absolutely, and in addition to being kind of a middle of the road from a forage or ag side, uh, Gangtanger also has an excellent disease package. So typical diseases that you see in in soybeans, even be it pests, um, come down to soybean uh, cyst nematodes, root knot nematodes, stuff that you may not even know you have that will be in your plot, has a built-in immune system to fight against all those, and that's what gives you your growth, even during what would be more stressful times for the soybeans.
2: Makes sense. Fantastic. I, just out of curiosity, what is the kind of retail price that you guys are are coming out there with this game changer?
1: Uh, typically, what we're doing right now is thirty nine ninety five plus whatever shipping costs may may be added to that, and that's per bag, which will cover an acre.
2: There you have it fifty pound bag, correct? correct? That's right. I just want to clarify for the listeners there. Um, they've heard it right there, thirty nine ninety nine for a fifty pound bag. And uh, I think that's a price point that's gonna be a huge benefit to the consumer and there's gonna be hopefully be a lot of acres playing in the game changer soybeans this spring just just because of the the new type the hybrid I, I say hybrid. I guess that's a bad choice of words when we're talking plants, but you have a forage, but also pod-producing soybean that's at that price point. That's also, as we get into it here in a second, it's glyphosate resistant.
1: Absolutely. So it gives you the option to control your weed pressure and and give the most vegetative growth as well as reproductive growth for the soybeans.
2: There you have it. And and I think this might be a good time that we talk about when whenever we post this will most likely have a the flyer of the game changer and people will see glyphosate resistant and i think one of the questions we could ask is roundup ready what's the difference between the two
1: so actually glyphosate is the active ingredient for roundup so uh there are trademarks that own the name roundup and roundup ready that are that we're not allowed to use but there is no difference in the material it is it is in a sense glyphosate resistant or roundup ready soybeans
0: right so it's just the you know a a common name versus the more specific um active ingredient in the herbicide so if you guys are out there looking to be able to control um, weeds in your food plots these beans can still do that they just don't say the roundup ready they are glyphosate um tolerant so I think that's, that's huge for people yep. who are wanting to, to have those um, control weeds in their plots and just kind of that well-manicured um, look to the food plot. Huge, huge potentials with them.
1: We're, we're very excited about it. And like I said, to this point, the feedback that we've gotten from our, our current customers uh, has been phenomenal. So um, we, we hope everybody that chooses to take a part of this can can help us with that as well.
2: For sure. Now... We covered the game changer, game changer beans. Let's talk about some of the stuff we're excited about and the blends, and what specifically sure. is on the horizon for this spring.
1: Uh, so obviously, for the spring, um, you you guys and I have talked a little bit and uh, are looking at putting our spring blend together, which I think encompasses a uh, looks like cow peas, uh, soybeans, lab lab a couple different millets, milo, sunflowers, buckwheat, and even some of the sun hemp that you guys have suggested we take a look at.
0: Yeah, and guys, if you're out there listening, we've done podcasts on you know different um, spring annual mixes and the goals that we have for those mixes um, when it comes to soil health, diversity, mining different nutrients, but still providing a lot of forage. This is the blend that will allow you to um, – Basically, reach those objectives in your plot too. So we're excited to be able to to have uh, Stratton basically mixing all these these seeds together, putting it in a bag, um, and basically making it available for everyone else to see the success that we've seen um, in in those categories.
1: I think, and, wh- and we're definitely excited. go ahead. I hate- we're excited um you know seeing some of this stuff come together like i said we we have done some food flop blends be it fall blends but this this will be our first adventure into the spring type stuff
2: that's awesome i i think this is something that matt and i have been toying with and tweaking with for years now and uh i think back so i'm trying to remember the first year we planted a spring mix and it was over five or six years ago and uh, we just tweaked it over the years, and in the last couple of years, we felt like we got pretty doggone close to what we uh, what we were looking for. And about that time, you guys came along, and it was like this is this is going to be a perfect perfect partnership because we have the ability to to assist you guys in in getting that bagged up and in the consumer's hands.
1: Absolutely, we're looking forward to putting it together and getting out there uh, with it uh, to see how how things turn out this spring.
2: For sure. Now, when it comes to, you said in the past, you've done some fall cover, or fall blends. I almost said cover crops, but um, f- fall food plot mixes. Now, what is some of the, and let's not give too much away, but what are some of the species that are going to be involved in those blends? Well, uh,
1: basically, we're going to look at a, at Two different mixes this year. As we are in Stuttgart in the duck capital of the world, I couldn't put mixes together and, and leave our migratory birds out. So we actually <laughs> are going to have a what we call Quick Six, which is a basically a migratory or a waterfowl mix that will include a couple of different species of millet, um, some dwarf uh, bicolor corn, some buckwheat, rice, and milo. So a little more aquatic based and. Uh, something that should be able to stand up, hopefully, to the summer heat, but also if the feet get wet, uh, should, should be able to survive very and thrive very well there.
2: Awesome. I, I think uh, that's what we're excited about because uh, you guys are down there in Stuttgart, as we mentioned before, and Matt and I, hint, hint, wink, wink, haven't ever even hunted ducks in Arkansas, especially not in duck capital of the world. So that may be something that we have to come down and do a little field testing on.
1: I think that's something we're going to have to do. You know, we we try to sneak out of here as often as we can to find the woods or find a duck blind somewhere. So uh, any any opportunity to encompass that with business, I think, is a win-win for everybody. We're in. That's right.
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll pencil in a date uh, here when we get off the of podcast. Um, but no, I, I think that that whole... You know, idea of branching out and having, you know, seed mixes for migratory waterfowl That's what we're all about, too. That's why I think this the partnership works so well. You know, we're land managers. We're not just focused on deer. They're a huge portion of just, you know, our thoughts and our time um, and our business. But... You know we want to still be able to create better habitat for whether it's quail and and geese that are migrating ducks that are migrating everything so I think I'm really excited just to see um how all this flows into um your guys's packaging um getting it out there in different consumers' hands as well
1: sure and we're we're excited in the same sense. so you know that that gives us the opportunity to, to um basically cover our our waterfowl mix, but uh, also put together a fall food plot mix that, in a sense, is going to cover uh, several different species of clover, uh, some uh, winter peas, different ryes, radishes, turnips, oats. So a pretty all-encompassing fall food plot that you guys have kind of helped us put together as well.
2: That's fantastic to hear. I think we we can't tell you how excited we are for – soil to start warming up and we can get some seed in the ground here in a couple of maybe a month i guess when we look at it's already april 2nd so we're looking about a month out from planting up here so very exciting times for us for sure
1: and in addition to looking at these mixes in in acre quantities we're also looking at it backing off a little bit for we know some guys may not may not quite need all of that but we're actually going to basically half our our bag sizes and some of this material to give the guys that want to try half an acre at a time uh, the ability to do so as well.
2: Perfect. I think that's fantastic. I think there's a lot of guys that we look at that are planting just a half acre that'll that'll jump all over that
0: and experimenting. We we're always trying different things and seeing how they work, how the wildlife responds to them, how they stand up to um different weather conditions and just having <clears throat> that option of having a smaller um bag size can devote you know a specific area to test um testing this stuff do some trial runs with these blends and seeing how they stack up um to maybe other things that folks have planted so if you're out there just looking to to try it and just like oh, well let me see what it's like that bag size is going to be perfect to be able to uh, kind of fit that niche for those individuals
1: definitely we we hope we hope we can get some side-by-side comparisons and see how things turn out not only from the food pot food plot blends but also from the uh, game changer side of things as well awesome
2: well i think that pretty well unless we have something that we missed but looks like we pretty well got through all the questions we had for you guys if you got anything else you'd like to add uh
1: other than we're excited about this partnership and, and looking forward to hopefully uh, reciprocating some of these hunts uh, back and forth with <laughs> you guys, so we'll have to get
2: together. <laughs> there. You go. You know, we've talked about it. Uh, about the time food plot spring food plotting comes up is uh, is turkey season, and and I as as talking with Keith, um, you guys are down there in, in a part of the world where there's not that many turkeys, so we definitely want to extend the invite and have you guys up during Missouri turkey season.
1: Sounds like a great business meeting. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> Bring your
0: hiking boots, boys. Yeah. Well,
2: we sure well
1: guys, do, we appreciate
2: your time. Yeah, we sure do appreciate you guys spending some time with us this morning.
1: Absolutely. Well, any time or any questions, uh, you guys can direct them to us, and we'll do our best to, to handle anything that, that comes our way.
0: Perfect, Heath and Keith. We appreciate your time, and uh, we'll be talking with you guys later on.
1: Sounds yeah, great. Well, nice talk to you, Adam and Matt.
2: Take care. You too. There he was. I was beginning to wonder if Keith was still there.
0: What'd I'm you think? So excited. That's gonna be good. Really, really good. I, I think that you know, with with any any newish company, if you will, um, that comes into a different industry, there's always you know eyebrows that are raised. Um, that's why it, one is important for us just to speak directly with them, <clears throat> introduce them, um, and just kind of allow people to build that relationship with Stratton themselves, um, and know that you know, hey, they're, they're hunters just like me. They've got the mindset of, you know, improving um, and offering diversity within their food plot mixes, and I think that's important. Adam, we're the, we're the, this guy's the same boat as, you know, if we're going to align with someone or, or try and partner with someone, it's got to it's gotta match our thoughts on management. It has to oh, match totally. our mindset um, and the goals. We just have to have that same similar goal, and it didn't take long um, to realize that they were kind of in the same boat, you know. So it, it made sense. Um, but they're they're so open to trying things. They're so that, that open was the, to, the to huge huge
2: the huge thing for us was, you know, when we set out on this adventure, it was like, and that adventure is Land of Legacy is like, well, we want to make sure the people that we partnered with have the same mission as us or have the same vision, and they're walking to the same song as us yep. and when whenever um actually keith reached out and we started talking about kind of the direction of stratton and and started understanding their company history as being an ag side cover crop how big they were and and having the ability to um distribute but not only that but have the, the have the desire to come to us and and work with us on some of the blends that we've tested and and have tweaked over the years and how i mean those blends haven't ever been bagged up no no the stuff that we're that we're getting ready to have them um i guess work with them and develop and they're going to come out with is, is stuff that hasn't ever been sold in a bag before to my knowledge um and so i think that's one of the most exciting things for us is you know we've tweaked this and tweaked this and tried these things and we feel like okay this is it was ironic but about the time we get to where Okay, we need to replace this with this. We need to change the poundage of this to that. I think that's that's what we've been going for. And it's like, oh, We're there. here's a company that wants to work with us, and they're basically going, okay, how can we how can we pl- make and bag what you guys are testing? And it's like, okay, this is perfect. Oh, so.
0: perfect timing. And um, again, I, they have they have an incredible mindset to um, one, just their customer service, but two, their knowledge of blends their knowledge of seed these guys are farmers they i'm gonna air quote this uh, because it's a phrase but they play in the dirt every day yeah you know i mean they they're out there um so just it makes sense and we have i don't want to stress this but i do like we've sat back and and turned down partnerships and stuff before just for the fact that it just doesn't make sense and i don't want to sit back and try and promote something that's not going to make sense you know no or or just match into our our whole scheme and the way we manage and look at properties or the way we look at just nature in general Um, doesn't make sense it's not going to make sense
2: and you know what's boy that map has been driving me nuts (laughs) this whole podcast but um for those of you guys that are listening if you're not aware we've started recording our podcasts and are putting those on youtube and uh the first one is up Uh, Of course, we're recording this one today, and it's going to release a few days after we release on Sportsman's Nation, but you can go to YouTube and check out our recorded podcast. So we have a set. (laughs) I say set. We have a studio that's basically just a rearranged version of what we've recorded on in the past, and and we put up a map behind us, but it just keeps falling, (laughs) and it's it's been driving us nuts. So anyway, enough about that. Um, I think with Stratton, it's one of those things where it's a big enough company to really get the seed where we want it as far oh, as yeah. there's a guy in Nebraska who wants a couple of bags, boom, it's there. We don't have to worry about it. But it's it's kind of a, a smaller core to where something's up, you want to call up the man himself. He's, there you go. Yeah. yeah. You just he pick is. up the phone and find him and, and call well, that, him and that's,
0: so. That's the other portion. Like they're they're so big that <clears throat> and they've developed so many relationship with, with other seed um companies that where they can source sun hemp they can source millet they can source sorghum at prices that will make sense when they put it all together in a mix and it's still affordable that's the other thing 39.95 for 50 pound bag of
2: glyphosate resistant uh, forage soybeans
0: i think some jaws may have dropped when when he said that but Mm -hmm. um i mean it's it's true it's for real yeah, and and that's that's a price point that hasn't been matched, hasn't really come close to being matched, and not only does it become just more affordable, but it comes more versatile in the way you can plant them too.
2: Absolutely, I th- I think uh, there was a, a a little bit. Of course, we're very excited about this, but there's all kinds of things that have me excited for this um, partnership. is the fact that there was one thing you mentioned about the game changers and what group they are allows them to they're going to be dropping their leaves earlier than what you might expect not as far as early like midsummer but some of those beans we planted and and you see out there like there are ford soybean they they stay green by design for a long time right during the fall um, which is it, it can be a great thing but that doesn't allow you to come back and put a cover crop in those standing beans
0: as successfully as this group will allow you
2: to do yes yeah, so. so there's kind of a it goes just far enough to really get you a lot of forage, but then allows you to start turning the turning the wheels to where now it's a grain product because we're trying to focus on pods and allow us to replace it with greens underneath as far exactly. as a cover crop. So, or, and
0: that's that's the thing that we see on a lot of properties as we travel to. You know, I love standing grain, but a lot of times, uh, unsuccessful cover crop has. You know, it's been tried to be planted, but then now, when you look at February, you look at March. There's zero pods, and there's zero forage growing underneath of it. It's mm-hmm. it's dirt, or yeah, bare ground or soil, it's, and it's, it's like
2: ah, standing grain can't take the browse pressure that a that a. F- a f- Fall cover crop can.
0: Yeah. So now with this blend, uh, with this soybean and the group that it's in, will allow you to successfully broadcast because the timing in which those leads are coming off for that cover crop to get established or that fall blend in the standing grain to get established, get a root system, and then be able to take the browse pressure that's going to have throughout the rest of the season and into the spring. That's exciting. No, totally. That's why... like. Just that mindset matches exactly everything that we've been trying to talk about and hopefully preach and get out there about um, soil health. And then it just offers more tonnage per acre of food plot that you can successfully grow throughout an entire year.
2: Diversity, baby. That's it. That's going to be one of our first Did you call me
0: baby, or was that just That was just the chant. Yeah, like, yeah, baby! Okay, good. I just want to make sure.
2: When we... That's common too, for you guys, that apparel and hats and things like that, but um, that's going to be one of our shirts. Diversity, baby! Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, boy. Yeah, diversity, baby. And one guy, I'm uh, not to go on a rant, but we need some humor in this podcast. It's early in the morning, the coffee had not kicked in real, real good yet, but... The other one when one guy said, "You need to make a shirt that says, got weed with a picture of a ragweed. Oh, yeah <laughs> a ragweed, ragweed leaf <laughs> would be fantastic too. Got weed, ragweed. So anyway,
0: you know if someone we're getting an email and someone's gonna be like, if you don't do that t-shirt, I'm gonna be upset. <laughs> I'm gonna make it myself. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> we already trademarked it. Don't even try. It. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know where we're at well, in time, but
0: the other thing that we're talking about is is the diversity in these beans. Mm -hmm. And let's say, okay, this is, we're just going to set up a situation, hypothetical situation. And in a fall food plot world with these beans, like we always aren't trying to talk about, like, let's say you've got a bigger destination plot or just a plot you want to try and suck deer into, um, just get them within range, you know, early season with these, these beans, the price point that they're at, it's economical now to plant within, you know, 50 yards and in in and around your stand as season's opening, you know, in the fall, we always think about planting soybeans springtime, springtime, springtime. But now because of the price point in which these beans are at, it's feasible to plant them and have, you know, let's just say a foot tall growing soybeans during this time frame during as season opens up September, October. And those soybeans are going to be such oh. an attraction. There's no, basically there's nowhere else that's going to be planting young tender soybeans at that time frame no
2: not at all and you think about that time of the year when you're planting a lot of times that's july or august um and and we're starting to get hot and dry a lot of the native vegetation starting to kind of wax over and it's not mm-hmm. as palatable but then you see a young tender soybean it's something to where, i mean it's even a like you said that's even a that that bean is almost
0: a fall food plot mix as well because yeah if you if you want it to be you yeah. don't have to but let and then let's say if if you do have a you know a really small plot like a half acre or quarter acre you could go back in and, and I would say replant some portions if you wanted to like yeah. they're they're just at a price where you're not breaking the bank to have you know a really great stand um basically you can have a great stand at any point during the season any no doubt point.
2: no doubt and of course if you plant them that late in the summer they're not going to be most likely unless you're way down south producing pods but it has the ability you're planting that late you're going to have a you know <laughs> it's going to be hard to beat up. it's a huge a, attraction attraction that good um and i think that's i'm to be honest with you i'm excited about that um they call it their duck blend it's feeding frenzy yeah yeah but the mixes they have in there is a great upland mix for quail. Oh yeah, There's that dwarf corn and and a couple of millets and buckwheat and sunflower. I'm not milo, sure milo. Something. I yeah. think and I think well, I, I'm going to get some of that and just plant it in areas that on the farm where you've mm-hmm. seen quail, just so there's a little bit of an attraction there and uh, just oh, to try it again, I,
0: like we talked about, experimenting, seeing what happens, seeing you know how it takes in these conditions, and seeing if 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 you know the quail are there still. How they respond to it.
2: Yep. How often we walk through there and kick them up. So, anyway, I, I I can't tell you guys how excited we are about this just because, you know, when when we start looking at partners to work with, I oh, I almost like... Grinch want to hear that? Yeah, it's like partner or sponsor or whatever. Partner that we're working with and we have the ability to help them help us as far as developing these blends that we've been testing and trying and had great success with, or, Oh, Oh, I mean, in the last four years, we've changed a lot with our, with our spring mix. And we used to include other things. It was like, well, the benefit there is, is this, but that's really it. But then you replace it with this other species and you go, Oh, like, like let's use sun hemp. Now we have something that provides structure, but also it's a legume. So it's going to be fixating nitrogen, but it's also, at a certain growing period, it's also great uh, forage
0: for, for deer. But what we had tried in, in the past was a lot of sorghum sedan to allow that big stalk to allow the the um, lab lab and cowpeas to grow up it. But now, just what we've learned is oh, by replacing that, we have another summer annual, the sun it, hemp.
2: That, that grows that, tall, six, seven yeah. foot tall.
0: It can still vine up, but it can still produce, I mean, it, it now produces a forage quality. And fixates a ton of nitrogen in that plot, whereas Mm -hmm. the sorghum sedan didn't do all that.
2: And I think that blend is something where, by design, it was it still has soybeans in it. But when we look at it from okay, why why would you want to plant that versus soybeans? And some of your smaller plots, soybeans just isn't an option. Straight soybeans, a monoculture soybeans, just because deer love them and there's not anything really protecting them, so they can just come in and wipe the plate clean mm-hmm. but by planting these mixes um, during a certain time of the year or a certain couple of weeks this one may not be preferred so they lay off of it and they try to eat this other one but there's other stuff growing to help protect some of it to where they're not able to completely annihilate what's growing to where there should always be something growing and something protecting that soil but providing other benefits not only the deer but i mean this is when we planted that mix over the years you go in there during the summer and there's butterflies and honeybees just going oh, nuts. There's Frogs. So much, there's,
0: yeah, so there's, there's so much moisture that's trapped against the ground because there's so much vegetation growing. It's alive. Like, we're stepping over frogs and seeing them hop underneath their feet and stuff because it's just teeming with, with insects. creatures. Insects. Yep. Yeah, insects that are pollinating stuff, making things grow. But just that environment is there. Whereas if you were to go to a sh- just crop field, I don't ever see that. No. Usually mm-hmm. there's there's um pre-emergence that are sprayed, so there's zero ground cover. Like there's nothing. There's no habitat if you will for yeah. those for those critters. And um just being able to see that success with these mixes and blends, it's it's fun. And that can, that, that success right there doesn't have to happen over years and years and years. You can see that if you plant it, you know, this spring.
2: Yep. Uh, and <laughs> that's what's so exciting for me. So uh, hopefully you guys and don't miss out on the fact that if you're in an area and you're like, how can I get this stuff, and you're whatever, there's a hardware store or a feed store just up the street, it could be an opportunity to talk to them and get some of that seed in that right. store as a dealer. So it's definitely, if you're like, well, don't outrule the fact that you can help find dealers in your area to where you can get some of this seed. I promise you there's not much And when it comes to these blends, I don't, we're not seeing a lot of blends that are in this, that have this type of seed. And there's no
0: area that Stratton doesn't want to be in either. You know, if there's a, if there's a person who wants to help distribute um, and get that seed out there, uh, you know, there's a, there's a huge, a huge um, hunter population out of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. Um, and they haven't been—they haven't gotten there yet because they've been focused on the ag in the southeast. And they're huge; they cover all that territory. But with the food plots, go allow them to expand up there and hit that market too. So, if you're someone up there looking to to do this type of thing in your area, don't uh, I guess overlook the possibilities of becoming or reaching out to a local seed dealer because again, it's it's advantageous for them because the price point is still. Really, really exciting and encouraging for a consumer.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I I don't where are we at in time even? We should be coming
0: up we're, on we're Would You Rather.
2: Up. So yeah. let's go ahead. Um my would you rather this week when it comes to laying out a farm and you have let's just say some people would drool, I would drool over this as well, but let's say you have a twenty acre field would you rather plant the entire thing in soybeans or some sort of corn or some uh, some type Commodity of food crop. plot, or would you rather break that up and have a couple of two-acre food plots scattered around inside that 20-acre field that you let the rest grow up? Maybe you plant native grasses or, or you let it grow up in weeds or whatever. What one would you rather do?
0: Great question. Um, that answer would honestly probably depend on the neighborhood. Um, what else is around? am I am I in an ag setting? Um, is there a lot of other forages out there during the growing season to basically offset some of the pressure that I might experience within those smaller plots? That's something I would I would look into. Um, but I would say, definitely the smaller plots in and around the um native grasses or old field management areas I would much rather have that and yeah. and for a fact of it's going to hunt a lot easier basically getting a deer within bow range on a couple 2 acre plots is a lot easier than doing so in a 20 acre crop field
2: oh I think of that headache of how many times have you hunted a big crop field and they come out at the other end and you think how in the world can I ever do how can we need, we will
0: distance? devote a whole
2: podcast to this because oh, yeah. it's something that that can be done to where you can have a large food source but steer deer to an area to where you can actually successfully, get, successfully harvest them so that's coming up
0: yeah and, but I ideally um, just again for the habitat type that the, the more concentrating deer into specific areas for for ease of harvest. Um, and I, I want to break up. I want to have edge. I want to have um, the ability to um, funnel deer. And I would, I would break up that 20-acre yeah. field. I think, you know, when you come to – when I think
2: about it, and if you're in a situation where you have to plant the entire area in a food plot, like it's like, oh, it's 20 acres, I have to plant it. There's, or, or, yeah. pro- there's probably a chance that the habitat's lacking somewhere, right? Uh, as,
0: as if you don't, because you don't have enough forage. Elsewhere you don't have enough
2: enough native forage elsewhere. Right. You don't have enough forage in your understory of your timber. You don't have enough old field or native grass scattered around. You don't have enough weeds, if you will, um, to where if you're looking and saying, "Well, it's an open area or it's a bottom field," it has to be entirely planted in some sort of crop probably a pretty good indicator something's lacking somewhere
0: there's like we talked about earlier kind of how we introduced the podcast there's probably too much emphasis on on planting food plots versus habitat management elsewhere on the property Mm -hmm. that's a, a a good indicator not necessarily the truth um for every situation but that's why food plots is a important part of it but not the end-all solution to habitat management. No, it's, it's not. And it's it's a part that's got a lot of possibility, but again, you know, for diversity, um, but it's not the end-all.
2: It's, to me, it's like a vitamin. It's just like, it's there if you need it. It just helps them along. Um, I, I th- very important that we plant them. I mean, it's a huge part of our success, but um, I think it's definitely not to not to take away from not to habitat overlook. management. Yeah. 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 So, what's mine?
0: Oh, well, I I'm doing this on the fly cuz I totally forgot about would you rather. Yeah. But this is this is a hunting scenario question, okay? Would you rather spot and stalk a western Kansas whitetail or would you rather go to Alberta and spot and stalk a mule deer? Oh,
2: Kansas, baby. Kansas? Kansas, yep. Why is that? Uh, I'm guessing where I'm stalking is prairie, right?
0: Western Kansas.
2: Western Kansas. I I don't know. I just think there's something. Now, don't get me wrong. I I love the idea of Alberta and big muleys, but I just love Kansas, the prairie, big white tails. I've got to go with Kansas.
0: Got to go with Kansas. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. I know you're going to pick Alberta because you've got to—
0: weird obsession bucket list i just want to go and do it so bad um but you know would i would i turn down the opportunity no i wouldn't in kansas (laughs) it's just honestly i don't think any either of us would turn down an opportunity um to go hunt something like that
2: no no absolutely not i mean if you asked me to go hunt squirrels in alabama i'd be like oh that'd be cool let's go yeah (laughs) so uh that's this week's Would You Rather, brought to you by Hunt Terra Maps. Um, you got anything else?
0: I think we're, I think we're about ready to wrap it up. But I. Oh, I ex- right here.
2: The new oh yeah 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 new yeah. quality whitetails QDMA's magazine.
0: I have yet to be able to look through it, but this I, is I was be, just sitting
2: on my desk. Uh, yeah, we're recording here, but if you guys aren't a member of QDMA, it's definitely something you're missing out on.
0: Also, with QDMA regarding QDMA. Their national convention is coming up in July. They're opened up um, the ability to um, sign up for that convention in March. So if you have not signed up or are interested in signing up, um, look into it. It's a it's a great convention. Adam and I will be speaking um, the Saturday. Oh, it's going to be a convention. fun one. It's going to be a fun one. We're not going to we're not going to say what we're speaking Oh, of.
2: it's going to be so good. It's going to be really not, good. Not to toot our own horn, but it is going to be so good. I hope so many people listen to it. I think there's going to be an opportunity for people to to find it online. Yeah. And I think it's going to be one of those things that really go, wow, there there is so much I can do to improve the farm. So
0: so much um it's going to be extremely visual, engaging Um, we're, we're super excited. We're already
2: starting to kind of prep for it. And I mean, we're, we're how many months out, three months out, Yeah, Yeah. two months out, something like that. So, uh, it's going to be a heck of a slideshow.
0: Yeah. So So there's that. Um, and we'll also be doing a podcast, a live filming of a podcast down there with attendees at QDMA. So if you're going down there, love to have you. If not, you can follow up with that conversation with attendees. um, after that podcast is released. But look into convention if you if you're not already signed up or a member.
2: Come join us in New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans.
0: You're right. to sucker up.
2: That's it. We thank you guys so much for joining us and podcast number fifty six. Fifty seven. How did we make it so fifty seven? How yeah. do we make it so far? Like I don't know. Fifty seven. Who would have who would have thunk it? <laughs> so anyway, appreciate
0: you guys for joining us for another week and we'll catch you next time. We'll see ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Land and Legacy's Hunting and Habitat Management Podcast. If you like what you hear, check us out at landandlegacy.tv. You can submit a viewer question right there. and We're answering the podcast or find us on Facebook and Instagram.
2: Feels pretty good knowing that from the beginning of time, God has called us to be a caretaker, gamekeeper, a manager of the land. So with that being said, don't you think we should do it all for the love of the land and the glory to God?